Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ridge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out online at theridgechurch.net. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening today. So a question for you. So now that we've been thinking about thankfulness, so what are you most thankful for? Like if you had to make a list, and at the top of the list was the thing you're most thankful for, and then it would go down in order, what would be at the top of your list? Um, A lot of people say family, maybe your career, maybe the different things in your life that have uh, come up. You know, as as I've thought about what is important when it comes to Thanksgiving and thinking about thanks, um, it's kind of a weird time of year for me because my birthday is actually November 28th. So every so often, my birthday actually falls right on Thanksgiving. So I look back to the years where I was younger and uh, Thanksgiving was on my birthday, and I would be thankful for my family who comes over on my birthday, and then when they're there, I get to say, it's my birthday, and so they get, my aunt would be like, here's $20, here's $20, here's $20, and then I would have to, a collection, because basically it was Thanksgiving to me, what I would look at it, and when you think about uh, selfishly my birthday and what that looked like, um, (laughs) it's very, there's a contrast to a video I saw this week that I want to show you. So just to set this video up just a little bit, it's just a short clip. This is actually, this happened a while ago, but it has become viral that, um, that many people have watched it. it. News organizations have picked it up and, and kind of ran with it also. Uh, it is about two, um, two boys who were actually adopted um, from Sierra Leone, and uh, they were actually homeless, um, and that is a city in Africa. Uh, they were homeless. They had nowhere to go, so they went to uh, an orphanage. And actually, they were adopted from there. Now, this was during the time of the pandemic. Now, at that time, they couldn't come over, so they had to wait. So finally, they got to come to America to this family who lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, this video is actually showing one of the boys, which his name is Abraham, who gets his very first birthday cake. And I want you to see, because when we talk about thankfulness, I want you to have this picture in your mind of what thankfulness looks like. Let's take a look. Now, when you watch that, you see that, like, he is just overwhelmed. Like, the thankfulness is just, like, he can't control himself. And you see that, like, he is so happy and grateful for his new parents. What? They just run. He leaves the cake. And what does he do? He goes and just embraces them and holds them and just and is just crying and weeping. Because why? He is so thankful. And I watched that this week, and I'm like, that is, like, the perfect picture of thankfulness. I think about my birthday and, like, how selfish I was growing up and being like, yeah, it's another year. Where's my cake? Bring it on. And then I see him who is like, this is, he's never had this, right? To him, he doesn't deserve it. And he gets this cake, and he is just overwhelmed with thankfulness. 
You know, we look at what we're thankful for, and as we get older, it goes from material things to deeper things in our lives as we mature. Things that we realize that we don't deserve, but yet God has been so gracious to us. Um, I looked at a research, this LifeWay research, and it says that 84% of people said the number one thing they're thankful for is family. So family was number one. Um, and then there was other things on the list, health, friends, memories, all these other things that came down. And out of this list, uh, the people also chose at 21%, they chose wealth. Wealth was there. So wealth was down at the bottom of the list. I was very interested by that because it's, I seem, it seems like that what is more important? Is it family or is it wealth to you? Um, ultimately, we have to be thankful to who? To God. Because without God, we would have nothing. When we think about Thanksgiving this week and what's important, I actually, this morning, I got a chance to go into the student room, and I asked the students, I said, tell me one thing that you're thankful for. Like, what, what is the thing that you're most thankful for? And it was food. Actually, it was macaroni and cheese, somebody said, was like the thing that they were most thankful for. Because Thanksgiving is a time where we focus on food, right, because we're eating together as a family. But I think we need to kind of back up a little bit and kind of look at what is the big picture. Because what we have is because of who God is, right? And we have to understand that. The more we understand who God is, the more thankful, the more gratitude we have. So today we're going through Psalm 100, and we'll see how our response to God in worship uh, is an overflow of thankfulness to him. Just like we saw Abraham and his overflow of thankfulness, how he went to embrace his father. I want us to have that same kind of overflow of thankfulness. So just to review a little, little bit, um, last week was student weekend, and we learned from Paul and Philippians what it means to be joyful, to be content in Christ. Um, and Luke Middlestetter did a fantastic job of, of bringing the message last week, and he concluded with this message here. It says, be content with your situation because God is working in it for his glory and our good. And to talk about being content, living a content life in Christ, what? Brings joy. Brings joy. So this week, we go from joyful to what? Thankful as we go into today's message. So we will break down this psalm, Psalm 100, to see how we can best give our thanks to God. Because that's what it is. It is worship to God in this psalm. Uh, so to understand the context of our passage today, let's talk about the book of Psalms just a little bit. So it is the longest book in the Bible. So there's 150 chapters uh, in the book of Psalms, which makes it a very unique book. Because why? It is filled with songs. It is filled with poems. It is filled with hymns and all about many different subjects. Um, it's written by many different authors. Primarily, a lot of it is written by King David, uh, but there's also other authors. Solomon, uh, there's a prayer from Moses in Psalm 90, um, and priests and Levites during the reign of David also added to this. Um, and then there's 50 of them that just have no author that we don't know who it is, and that is one that we are studying today. Um, many different authors written over 1,000 years when we look at this book. It was compiled together after 537 B.C. Now, this was after the Hebrews were taken captive uh, by the Babylonians. Uh, and we look at this, it was a very diverse book, 
and had many different subjects when you go through it. Um, there's God and creation, there's war, there's worship, uh, there's wisdom, there's sin and evil. There's so much in there. There's judgment, and then there's also the coming Messiah, which at the time they were looking forward to coming. So we see a lot about that. Now, it was arranged on purpose. Now, it's not just like, oh, they just pulled them all together and went, and then stuck them together. It was actually created in a way that they flow and as they go together to tell God's story. Um, there are many different beautiful psalms, different kinds, and they're kind of broken into categories when you study them and to see what they are, to get deeper in them. There's uh, psalms of lament, which is what crying out to God, and sadness. Um, there's royal psalms, there's wisdom, and then there's thanksgiving. And some of these fall into different, two different categories or more. Um, but they're very, very real in their emotion, which is why that we can relate to them um, when we read and use them as a part of our worship. So uh, after the destroying of the temple, God's people were in exile, all right? And this was a way, they had psalms that they could go to and sing, and this was their way to worship. Now, even later, the psalms were, in the new church, considered um, uh, the songbook of the early church. And um, uh, it's a reflected new truth in Christ. So this has been used throughout the church to worship in a way. And if you look at to us today, just like they were in exile uh, from the Babylonians, in Scripture we are called exiles. We are, our home is in heaven, and we are just passing through. So this, we can relate. We can go to the Psalms and, and reflect and worship through them. So as we study Psalm 100, we will break this down today to see how we can uh, better understand um, just to kind of give you a structure of what it is, um, Psalms 95 through 100 are a collection of what's called enthronement psalms. It's royal psalms. So it's this idea of a king when we are looking at it, which plays uh, very much into the theme and when we're interpreting it as we go through it. It is titled the Psalm of Thanksgiving, and it's broken into two sections, really. You can break it into two sections. First, there's instructions on how to praise God and why. And then there's the instructions on how to thank God and why we need to thank him. So lots of good information in here. So what is our big idea as we look at this and as we dive into Psalm 100? Our big idea is this. Knowing God brings gratitude. Knowing who God is helps us to be thankful. The more we are reminded of who God is, the more thankful we will be. Uh, so let's dive in. So the first verse says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Now, when we look at this, when we break it down, I've heard this phrase so many times when we say, well, make a joyful noise. And usually it's talking about, well, I've heard it used as like people who can't sing. Because that's what, like, you can't sing, like you're tone deaf. So, well, you, go, you come and make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? And I'm not a good singer. My wife will say that um, I have other gifts and talents. It is not in the singing, but I can make a joyful noise. And that's the way some people that we would use that. But there is much deeper meaning to making a joyful noise. Um, it's, if you look at it in context of God's kingship and, and what is going on here, think of a relationship between a king and a subject. And this is an idea of making a joyful noise when you come before. Um, it's this 
uh, fanfare for a king is what it is referred to. So as we look at this, what is the first thing we can be thankful for? We can be thankful for his kingdom. Be thankful for his kingdom. It is a bigger perspective here about a king. Um, and a king over what? It's not just a king over a city or an area. What is king over the earth? King over the earth. So the Hebrews, when they were worshiping, they were worshiping God, right? And then we can look at this also and see how it foreshadows who? The king of kings, which is Jesus, the Messiah. Psalm 66.1, there's a lot of, when you get into the Psalms, that they kind of overlap each other. The same language is used in various. So Psalm 66.1 says, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. So we look at that, and there's, once again, there's shouts for joy to God, all the earth. Like everyone here uh, should shout for joy for him. Um, in the glory of his name. So if you think about a subject to a king again, I want you to keep that theme kind of in your mind as we go through this. To kind of give you an idea, in 1 Samuel 10, 24, it says this. This is talking about King Saul when he is put into, uh, put into power. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king, right? It's probably one of the most famous things that we've heard when it comes to people shouting stuff about a king. Long live the king, right? That is what we're talking about here. That is fanfare, people shouting to uh, their king. But we're talking about the king, all right? This is looking forward also to Jesus the king. So when we look at this and when we talk about how we view God, I want you to kind of really reflect and dig deep in when you're thinking about this. Do you understand, first of all, who God is? Do you understand his glory, his majesty? I don't think we reflect on that enough. Our natural attitudes as Christians should be like this, to what? Shout for joy. The Hebrew word, ruah, it means to shout in triumph applause or joy that is how we should be for our king so i would say do you understand that way like do you have the right perspective of who god is or are you just like meh or you're like i am amazed by god so this is how you praise a king so thankful for his kingdom all right let's go on to verse two now this continues in verse two the command on how to praise him that he is instructing. So it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Now, serve, when we think of serve, what do we think of? We think of like an act, like serve, like uh, serve in labor, like an act of service that you would do for somebody. But I want you to also think of it, that is correct, but I want you also to think of it as like worship. Um, remember the subject and his king in this. Um, so serve the Lord, right? parallels with come into his presence. Uh, this is an act of worship that we're talking about that he is commanding. So what do we see here? We see that we can be thankful for the act of worship. We can be thankful for the act of worship. God has given us the ability to worship. 
Christians. Did you ever think about this? He's given us the ability to worship, and he's giving us the opportunity to worship. Do you value and cherish worship in your life? Do you look forward to it? And I'm talking about when you come, when you sing, when you hear his word, when you have community. But I'm also talking about how you live your life and what you do. A lot of times when we look at this and we see come into his presence with singing. And I know that that's, did you sing? You know, I was thinking about this when, uh, when we were worshiping together today, actually. I was thinking, what if there's a camera right here facing this way? <laughs> and we were all standing out here worshiping. And I'd be curious what it would look like because if we were all like, or if, you know, are we singing? Like singing like we are worshiping God. You know, I'll be, I'm not a good singer, which I admit. But in the car, I am a great singer when I'm by myself, and I'll crank that up. And I know you guys do the same thing. And then you get embarrassed, like if somebody hears you on accident. But that's how we should be. That's how we should praise, and we should sing. So going back to Psalm 95, it says, Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. There, it's talking about coming into his presence with what? Thanksgiving, with this heart of gratitude, and then songs of praise, singing for him. But it is about the attitude. It is about the attitude and with a joyful noise. It goes, serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Oh, so I, I'm serving the Lord, living my life, but are you doing it with gladness and with a heart? full of gratitude. So, we serve in this way, we sing, we make a joyful noise, but we also need to look at worship and how we live. So, Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So, how you live your life, if you are a Christ follower, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, how you live is spiritual worship because you are a living sacrifice to him. And I think we think about worship and just like, well, I'm coming for it and I'm singing and okay, my worship's done. No, this is how we live our lives and what we do. How you live your life is spiritual worship. So I would ask you, are you living a sacrificial life of worship in what you do? And how you live, your conversations, how you praise God, your actions, and your attitude is everything here. Like, and that's the one thing that's funny to me is like, I think if I come into church and I'm happy and I'm smiling, but then I leave and I'm like, uh, I'm grumpy, you know. Like, God knows my heart. God knows whether I'm doing it with gladness or if I'm doing it, well, I'm going to pretend I'm happy. You know, we need to have a heart full of gratitude with gladness. All right, let's go on. Verses 1 and 2 are the command to praise, like we said. So verse 3 is the reason why we should praise. Um, and I just want to take the first part of verse 3 here to begin with. So it says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. Now, there is a lot in that verse right there if we stop. So um, first of all, it says know. So Know that the Lord, he is God. So you think about know, it's no by what experience. It's also 
know or acknowledge who he is. So he is God, right? Yahweh says that he is God. It is he who made us. So he created us. He knows us. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute because there's a lot of times we go around and we go through life and we're like, I gotta, I don't understand. I'm trying to figure this situation out. And we don't go to God with certain things. And why is that? Well, we think we can figure it out on our own. But if you think about this for a minute, imagine that I created something, that I am an inventor and I make an object here and it does wonderfully magical things, right? And I set it over here. Well, I'm the one who knows how it works because I'm the one who built it. I'm the one that knows how to make it best function because I created it, right? I was the one who did that. So if we step back and look at, well, God created me, so I guess he knows best how I should function and what I should do because he is my creator. That's why we should go to him. We should go to him to understand this because he is the one who created us. Now, if you think about creation, he knows us, but it is much more than just creating because it goes on and talks about we are his. So he, made, he who made us and we are his. So it's, it's also about this ownership piece, right? Specifically, if you're looking at this, it is talking about Israel, right? His people. It's about ownership. And this applies to us as Christ followers also. So what do we see here? We can be what? Thankful we are his. Thankful we are his. There's so many wonderful things that come out of that, that we are his, that he owns us, that he created us. Psalm 95, 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, right? Acknowledging that he is the one who made. He is our maker and created us with a purpose. So I would ask you today, if you are the creation, do you know your creator? Do you know your relationship with him? Or is your relationship non-existent? I came across this this week. I thought this was a great quote. He is our creator and recreator. I thought, man, that's good. He not only created it, but then if you talk about being born again, what does that mean? That we can enter in this relationship with him because of what Christ did on the cross. So he is our creator and our recreator. Um, so the Bible shows that we are his by adoption. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Notice the exclamation points there. Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, no longer a slave, right, to the world, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. If we are adopted through Jesus, think about Abraham for a second. Abraham in the video that, we, that I showed you earlier. He was overjoyed when he went 
Thankfulness was overflowing, and what did he do? He went to his new parents, and he hugged them desperately, crying because he was so overwhelmed. Why? Because he had been given a new life. He was adopted into a family. And I think that we forget that that's who we are if we are in the body. Through Jesus, the perfect sinless sacrifice, he took the punishment for my sin on the cross, died and rose again while defeating death. We can be adopted as sons and daughters because of this. Where is your identity? This is such a great question to ponder and to think about. When you think about your identity, what does that look like? Is that your career? This past week, we are actually in Parent Connect. We meet together, and we're going through this book, and one of the things we talked about is where is your identity? Because what parents do in making the mistake is a lot of times they put their identity into their children. And when you put your identity in your children, that is a bad place to go. Why? Because your children are sinners, and they're going to disappoint you. We all are sinners. So we don't want to put our identity in our children, right? We want to put our identity in the right place, and that is in Christ. So where is your identity? This is the wonderful good news of the gospel. We were born into sin, enemies of God. We sang about that today. But God, and in Galatians it says, sent forth his son to redeem those under the law. So under the law means that we cannot keep the law, right? We cannot keep the law because we are full of sin. We were born in a fallen world because of what Adam and Eve did when they disobeyed. So God sent forth his son to redeem those under the law. So what is your identity? Slave or son? Slave to the world or wonderfully adopted into a family? So we can be thankful we are his. All right, let's go to the second part of verse 3. So first part says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. Then we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So the psalmist here portrays God as what? A shepherd. And that is beautiful imagery that is used throughout Scripture, and I love it because it is very clear in, the, in how we can look at that situation and how we relate as sheep and to a shepherd. So the sheep should submit and follow the shepherd. And the shepherd not only leads the sheep, but what? He protects and cares for the sheep. So what can we see here? We can be thankful for what? Thankful he is our shepherd. Thankful he is our shepherd. This image of the shepherd and sheep, like I said, I love it. And it is a clear image. And one of my favorite places to read about it is in Psalm 23. Probably my favorite psalm that we've had the chance to study. Um, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This beautiful psalm, you see a reflection of how a shepherd loves and tends and cares for his sheep. 
through good times and bad times. Because in that psalm, is though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's a shepherd. Because he's a shepherd. If you go into John, uh, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. John 10, 11 through 15. says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who, is hi- he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own knows me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus here paints a picture of the shepherd and then a hired hand. And the hired hand is like, nope, I don't want any part of this. I'm out. And leaves the sheep, what? For destruction. But Jesus, talking about being the good shepherd, what? Loves, cares, and protects the sheep. He loves so much, what? That he lays down his life for the sheep. It's a beautiful picture of protection and sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed himself for his sheep. To be obedient to the Father. We should be thankful he is our shepherd. And that Jesus laid down his life for us, his sheep. So we're called to praise God as we look at this. Why? Because we know he is God, right? Yahweh. He made us. We are his. He is our shepherd. And this should make us thankful. This should make us thankful. All right, let's move to the second piece of this. So the second section of commands, first was praise and then why we should praise. And now we're going to see to thank him and why. So in verse 4, so this is another command to thank God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So first, we can enter his gates. So we need to acknowledge that. That God gives us the opportunity to enter his gates. And this is a gift. This is a gift. So gates and courts is a reference to what? So all through Hebrews, we talked about the temple, right? And the sacrifices that need to be made. Um, And the gates and courts is a reference to the temple where they went to sacrifice, where they went to worship. Now, if you also look at a king, right, the imagery of a king and courts, we see that there also. So, but looking at this, we see that it is a place of worship. It is a place of worship. So what do we see here? We can be thankful for the place of worship. We can be thankful for the place of worship where we can join joyfully in public worship. Psalm 96.8. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. There's that picture of bring an offering, bring a sacrifice, and come into his courts. Now, I would want you to think about courts on now. What do we do? We gather here in a place of worship. And we are blessed to have a place of worship. I mean, did you think about that? There are people around the world who cannot meet together, who do not have a place to meet together. And we are blessed to have a beautiful building that we can come together, 
we can use it to serve our community, and we can come together to, to worship our God. And that is a huge blessing, and we should never take that for granted. And remember, pe- there are people that cannot, that don't have that. So we think about this place, and we think about a place that we can come, a place that we can worship, and that we should not take that for granted. Um, in Hebrews 10.25, it says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are, this is, as we studied this in Hebrews, this is an encouragement to meet together, not neglect it like some are in the habit of doing, is what it says, but how important it is to come together in community. And then we get the opportunity to do that. Um, in my heart, I, I love to come together and worship. And, you know, going through the pandemic and, like, we couldn't meet, that, which seems like so long ago now, um, made me even more thankful that we could meet together and that we should never, ever take it for granted. We should cherish the time that we get to, that we can come together as a community. So if we examine our hearts, what I want you to think about is do you enter with thanksgiving and praise? Like when you come on Sunday morning, or are you coming with a heart of thanksgiving and praise? I'll be truthful and say sometimes I'm not. I come in and I'm tired, you know. But it overjoys me to come together. And then when we sing, when we pray together, and we learn together, my heart softens. And I am overjoyed to be able to worship God together. So I hope, I hope that you come together and we worship with a heart of thanksgiving and praise. Or is it out of obligation? Or is it out of habit? Is it something I always do? I'm going to church on Sunday. Are you amazed at what you get to do? Because it is something that you do not deserve. Just like Abraham in his cave when you saw him so overjoyed like when you come in are you excited hugging everybody like he did or are you coming out of obligation or habit all right let's go to the last verse now this is the final reason that we will look at today uh, for the reason we are to thank god Um, it says for the lord is good his steadfast love endures forever with his faithfulness to all generations. For the Lord is good. That is a beautiful truth right there. For the Lord is good. God is the source of our goodness. He is the perfect example of goodness. And he has what? An unwavering love that is never ending. And that's hard for us to understand sometimes. So what do we see here? We can be thankful for his never-ending love. We can be thankful for his never-ending love. Now, when we think about love, this is why it's a hard concept for me, like, to get my mind around. Because, like, I love something. Like, <laughs> I get something. I'm like, I love this. And then, like, two weeks later, I'm like, well, it's old. I don't really care anymore. And even, like, even in our relationships, it's something that we have to be intentional about loving and caring for people well, Right? So it's something that we have to work at in our relationships. But God, his love is eternal. He has, his love is never ending, never wavering. And that is a truth that you can, uh, that you can stand on. 
Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, nothing, he, he makes that whole list of all those things, none of that could come between you and God's love. And that is a wonderful promise. That is a wonderful promise. You should be thankful for his never-ending love. It says there that, um, and his faithfulness to all generations. So all generations, that means then, that means now. That is the body of Christ, that is the church, that is you, that is me. Paul in Ephesians expresses his thankfulness for the body. And I like the way he, he puts this. Um, Ephesians 1, 15 and 16. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So you look at Paul's, and Paul's um, sentiments there and what he is saying, how he loves them. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. I am thankful for who you are. He is thankful for the church, for the body, and the believers there. So are you thankful for the body? Then as we go on in Ephesians, in the next chapter, uh, Paul boldly proclaims how God saved them by grace because of his love. And this is his steadfast, never-ending love. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now Paul is saying there, he says, Remember, we were dead in our trespasses, right? Spiritually dead. And we were what? Nature, our nature was children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He names this list that we are so undeserving and spiritually dead. But then verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That but God is put there. And that, you know, today our new song, I was so happy that we're doing this song. Oh, but God. That is taken from this text right here. Because we don't deserve it. We are wretches. Oh, but God, in his mercy, made us alive. This is why we all should be thankful. This is the reason all of us should be thankful. He made us alive. We did not deserve it. By his grace, we can be saved. So all of us should not only be thankful for that, for this undeserving grace that we, that we receive, but we should also be thankful for each other. And none of us are better than each other. 
If you think about that, like, I didn't do something even better, so God's like, well, I'll give you more grace. And, like, you can now have salvation. And then somebody else did something like, no, we're all on the same playing field. None of us deserve it. But we all get it uh, if we surrender, right? It is a beautiful thing. And none of us are better than each other. We receive salvation only by beautiful grace. And we should be thankful for what? His never-ending love. His never-ending love. All right, so as we have gone through Psalm 100, five verses, but I hope that we have really, when we've got into it, you have seen more than when you first saw today. Psalm 100 is a joyous invitation to shout, to worship, to come to him, to know him, to enter his gates and give what? Praise. And why? Because God made us. He shepherds us as good and loving, and he is timelessly faithful in his love. So what is our next step after we see this and can appreciate who God is? We need to be thankful in our worship. Be thankful in our worship through our praise and how we live. Not just go through the motions, but understand who God is. You know, one of the things, like, if you're a leader and you've ever led a group and you come to a time, like, at the end of the group, and you're like, okay, so who wants to pray? Like, have you ever said that question to a bunch of people? You're like, who wants to pray? And then everybody's like, "Mm." (laughs) and nobody answers because nobody wants to pray. And, like, I look at that and I'm like, okay, we should have, like, a passion and a thankfulness about that. Well, I had the opportunity to go to a D group, one of our D groups, and our leaders, I love this. At the end of the group, they said, instead of saying, well, who wants to pray? They say, who here loves Jesus so much that they are wanting to pray today? And, like, all the hands go up. And I'm like, that is the way to ask to pray. Why? Because that shows you your appreciation and why you should praise him and why you should pray. Remember Abraham again with the birthday cake. That is the appreciation I want you to have. That is what I want you to have uncontrollable, like, oh, I want to hug Jesus, right? Because I, I don't deserve this. But overflowing gratitude, when we think of who God is and what Jesus has done on the cross, uh, we should be overwhelmed and go to our Father in worship. Always, always reflect on these truths. And we should live a life of gratitude in daily worship. Remember, be thankful in our worship. Be thankful in our worship. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today just thankful. Father, we just want to give you the praise. And even that you have given us the opportunity to come together, to meet together as a body, to sing songs to you, to worship you, to study your word, Father. And all of it is because of you. So we worship you. And, Father, you have given us this opportunity to come into your courts through your son, Father. We can have our relationship restored with you, and that is overwhelming because of the sacrifice of your son, our Savior. So, Father, I pray if there's anybody here today that has not surrendered their life or doesn't know what that relationship looks like, Father, I pray that you draw them close to you. Father, I pray that they um, make that decision today or talk to someone about it. Father, we're so thankful that we can come together as a community.
Father, I pray that we not only be thankful to you for your overwhelming grace, but we can be thankful for each other and how we live and how we get along. And just pray that we love each other well. So, Father, we just praise you for this time that we've had together today, and we want to give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you have questions about this message or about the Ridge Church, you can contact us at info at theridgechurch.net. Have a blessed day.